which is E-S-T-A-I-R-E, Ontario, Canada. Postal code is P as in Peter, 3, E as in Elizabeth, 4, N as in Nora, 1. P3E4N1. And really, I'm going to show you a technique tonight, a technique of how we're controlled. I hadn't really thought it out beforehand, but it's something that's been evident to me most of my life by observing and to show you why you listen to some people and not to others. I'll be back with more after this break. I'm Alan Watt, and we're cutting through the matrix. I talk about reality at times and ask you, what is reality? Is your reality what comes out of the television box? Is reality the various sites you go into to try to find out who's behind the big conspiracy? Or is your reality one that you've really observed for yourself? You've come to conclusions for yourself. And even when we come to conclusions for ourselves, are we really doing that? Because you see, there are masters of humanity, who've run the world for an awful, awful long time, to understand how we think, how we behave, and what we believe, and they can give us new beliefs at any time. They understand the techniques of infiltration through systems and countries, and how to work their way up. Not difficult to do, because really, you see, they're always backed by incredible money. Money talks, all right. And those with power and hold over money and the, the country's monies and debts, it can put people into any department they wish by suggestion. See, they meet the big clubs and things, and that's how things happen, it's by suggestion. Therefore, you, you get sudden experts appearing across the world at the same time uh, on about whatever the, the topic is they want to push for the next part of the great work, big plan to control the world. And they build them up into a star scenario. Before Often people even know their names. So the name appears suddenly one day in the newspaper, and, and the guy is described as a genius, and it's all over the place. Next thing you know, it's on talk shows, and yada, yada, yada. That's how they built Charles Darwin up. Darwin was really uh, an unknown character, except amongst his own group. And his own group, of course, all belonged to the Royal Society. The Royal Society uh, claims to be uh, the first Freemasonic scientific organization that existed in Britain and it was given a royal charter to exist and even today they're, they're fully behind all of the global um, warming scenarios, they're all on board with it to, to add weight, you see people are impressed by people with lots of letters behind their names, that's who impresses us, we don't believe our neighbors, we don't believe ourselves most of the time we want to believe in someone in authority now, when you say something, we often will just take it for granted. It's so far above our knowledge, out of our ken, as they say, that we will start parting what they're saying. After all, once they've made them famous, uh, and they're a genius, obviously, uh, then uh, who are you to question them? And the beauty of academia is basically that it was designed for this purpose of controlling the world, not just to, to give people certain abilities to get through life, a particular profession. Academia, 
tell me face to face that academia and that the chat that goes on amongst the milieu of their peer group is bullshit. They know that. It's all an act of who impresses who. What is a professor even? What is a professor except someone who is a good parrot? All they do is quote previous professors and people who come up with different sciences and quote and quote and quote and quote. That's what they do. They have a memory for quoting. Do they have any ideas of their own? They can't because they're stuck in a little tunnel of quotes which decides what their conclusions will be on any new topic. That's how things really work. And it works the same way all through society, in a sense. We're products of our indoctrinations. That's why you have mass education. That's why you have UNICEF. That's why you have a national educational authority that's combined with an international educational authority. It's to make sure we all get the start in life, the same start of life in so-called public schools, Public schools, meaning it's, it's paid for by the taxpayer. It's supposed to be Britain, a public school, there's a private school. But we all get the same indoctrination. So every level, whether it's, whether it's public or private, gets us a different kind of indoctrination. I can remember Margaret Thatcher taking a lot of heat at one time for subsidizing the private schools with taxpayers' money, very exclusive schools. And uh, she said, we have to because that's where all the, the leaders of society come from as she dismissed everybody else beneath that and she was quite right that's where they are that's where they do come from and she said that's where they make their friends and acquaintances and some will be in politics some will become lobbyists some will become CEOs of corporations and they all know each other each generation knows each other the old boys club and that's not unique to Britain at all and let's not fall into the trap of parties parties it's a trick, left wing, right wing, and so on. It's a trick, because it's well known and always was for thousands of years that you create a similar outcome with a clash of supposing opposing opinions. The more they fight each other, and they found this even with wars, long-term wars, both sides use the same tactics. Their ideals change as they fight each other, and before you know it, they're identical to each other, and once one or the other wins, they have a little empire built with two cultures now uh, with the same ideas. That's what the Cold War was for. There was more communist indoctrination put through in the Western countries through the schooling systems and the media, all through that, to change everyone so that at the conclusion of it, they could join the Soviet system with the Western system of capitalism. Remember what Lenin said? He says the dictatorship of the proletariat will only last about 70 years or so. After that, it says, what will emerge will be a new system. It's talking about a global system, which is not quite capitalist, not quite communist. And what you had now for all oh, 20 years, maybe 15 years, from Prince Charles is the first one that publicly mentioned it. it again, gets someone well-known to mention public-private partnerships, where the, the public pay for everything. They pay for the costs of setting up great um, enterprises, to benefit the public, like motorwaves, that kind of stuff, like power supplies. But we pay for the maintenance, the building, and the private companies giving it for peanuts, and they still get paid, the taxpayer still pays for its maintenance, and the private company um, reaps all the benefits, pure profit. That's what they meant. And remember, the Rees 
Commission said the same thing in the 50s, the 1950s, when Senator Norman Dodds went in to talk to the big foundations, the parallel governments. That's how it's really run. The ones who fund all the active movements and all the protest movements and the ones that demand from government certain changes. And he was told by some of the leaders, at, and the one, the first one that told him was the, the leader, the CEO of the Ford Foundation, he went to Ford Carnegie, Rockefeller, and a whole bunch of them. And he was told by that CEO that their job was to so influence the minds of Americans, they meant through propaganda and education, uh, that eventually, and so, so changed the culture of society, the whole outlook and premise of being, basically, uh, that they could seamlessly join the Soviet system with the West. And that was also helped by the Cold War. And how we must understand our enemies, you see, understand. And before you know it, you're, you're talking the same spiel as your enemy. And you don't even realize it. We'll change terms and terminology and phrases and words, but it's all the same. You are, you have become your enemy. And it will seem quite normal to you. And you won't even know what's happened. Time. Time is on my side, sung Mick Jagger. It's intergenerational, and that's how it works. But... Like um, Bernays said, he said, when they promote something from the top, and he was the top propagandist, really, in ideas for manipulation, mass manipulation of the minds of the peoples, he, he gave the American peoples the consumer society on behalf of his masters because they had to build up a tax base, a financial and military tax base, to go out and conquer the world. And you must have a happy population back home when you're doing that who've got enough money left to play with enjoy themselves and think they're buying things for themselves, like houses, knowing they could take it all away from you, well, like a couple of years ago, that kind of stuff. We're all played like suckers, because we're proles, you see, at the bottom. And like George Orwell said in 1984, when he's talking to his own peer group, well, the proles will do something about this, they, they won't stand for this, and his, his, his peer equivalent says, the proles don't count. The proles are us, folks. That's the proles. We're, we're the proles. We sit and we chatter amongst ourselves. We have gossip. 90% of gossip is what the media has given us, but Michael Jackson or, or, or some boob babe with her new boobs. That's what we're given, and that's what folk chat about. That's also why Brzezinski and others and, and, uh, said that shortly the public will be unable to reason for themselves. They ex- they'll expect the media... They can appendage of the brain. They'll expect the media to do their reasoning for them and their thinking for them. That has happened. That happened a long time ago for most folk. They're completely out of the loop. They really believe that there's anything that's going to affect them drastically. The media, being their appendage to their brain, is going to tell them. And the media does tell them certain things. The, the media does tell them what to think about any particular topic. Most of what the media gives you is nothing but propaganda on behalf of big movements that are designed to change society, are changing society, and guide you into a particular new reality, which you won't even notice that you have gone through. You won't remember that 20, 30 years ago, you had completely different viewpoints on everything. It's, I've said before, I've said that they've said at the top, those who understand the mind of human beings, 
but the last ones to understand the changes are those, the very generation going through it. Plato said that over 2,300 years ago. Because we adapt, you see. We adapt. All morality can be turned upside down, presented as though it's quite natural, and the people who are involved all changing with it at the bottom must think it's their own idea. And, and they do that with everything, from the clothes they buy to the jargon they speak to new phrases and how liberal their thoughts have become. They think it's all their own choices. Back with more after this break. reality and how we think we come to our conclusions on opinions and how people really will fight to the death over those given conclusions that they think are their own that's happened all down through history all down through history it's amazing just oratory alone and how in ancient times and right up to fairly recently politicians and leaders depended upon professional orators they didn't just have scriptwriters; they also had people to speak for them the best, the best vocabulary and the best way to put it across and, and wonderful phrases that people would remember, be very impressed. And then a Caesar would stand up after that and get all the applause. That's how they used to do it, how to sway the people's minds through emotive speeches, They're speeches that can paint pictures in your minds, the techniques they use in school to brainwash children, especially to do with environment and such. It scares them. You can also scare them through oratory. I can remember even when I was at school, we'd get the occasional little movie brought round with a projector, and you'd sit and watch this thing, and they'd have speakers up there. And I noticed most of them were done by people who spoke for the BBC, people who worked for the BBC. And they, used, they always used a background music when they were saying something about little animals being killed or whatever or jellyfish getting washed up on a beach somewhere. And it was all to terrify you. You could tell by the types of music that was there. And sinister music, too, sometimes is quite often used, in fact. These are techniques that are used. Why would you need music to get across a statement of a, or a point of fact? You don't. You do it for an emotional response, because when you can couple an emotive response, like, as I say, something that's very sinister music, do, 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 then, then it, it really, the words impact in your mind and stated they become fixed without you really consciously thinking through the truth or even asking, are these real facts? You don't have time to. It's imprinted in your mind. Very old techniques, but they're used to the maximum today with television and subliminals and flashes on television and much, much more than that, of course. But how the world really works is that you, you live through what they call the top paradigms. Paradigms are, are realities. You'll hear the big um, movers and shakers and the front men often use the word paradigm or a paradigm shift. A whole reality shift is what they're talking about. The old paradigms, according to them, were kings, queens, and religions. They kept the order of the public, and that's all the public would know is whatever the king decreed there to be, it was, it was to be known and what the religion taught them. And religion was always used for order, to support.
top who really are intergenerational in their belief and their cause and their purpose. Probably the only organized group on the planet, you might say, with the power to do what they do. I've been at this an awful long time of destroying all that was old or existed to bring in the new. And that's why history books will often go through this, this format where they'll tell you, well, this is how it was kings, queens, and feudal systems, and religion to augment it, the, the power control, and peasants just working to keep the elite few in luxury. And that was true. It's true enough. And then they'll go on to the, the Reformations and Enlightenment and, and how knowledge itself started to get spread and suddenly everybody wanted to get more knowledge and, and start questioning things for the first time. That was rot because all, at that time when all that came out, very few people could read and write. Only the intelligentsia, the wealthy people, could read and write and spread knowledge and understand the written word and all the rest of it. But if you really follow it, there was a movement during the Enlightenment that, that was really a form of Neoplatonism. In fact, it really was. Where those who led the revolt and the secret societies, that had to be secret because it had their heads chopped off otherwise, those who led the secret societies thought that they would have the right to take over rulership from kings and queens and the advisors that they had to the courts, as they say. That's really what it was. It wasn't to free the peoples. That was a side effect, and only a temporary one at that, because you can always enslave them again without them knowing it. You give them money, and they get paychecks to become wage slaves, and they pay all the money back through taxes to keep a massive, incredibly massive bureaucracy. It's been national bureaucracies, so you have thousands of high-level bureaucrats, lifelong jobs, uh, big paychecks, big um, pension plans, and lots of freebies as well tucked in there. But now you've, you've got a you're going international. We are international. Here's a trick. See, we are international. How they do it is very simple. They come up with the ideas at big conferences as decide the new paradigm for the future. They already have the power, because they own academia and media, to implement it in effect as a program. And they go into the schools and start teaching it to make sure a generation grows up so that they're, they're, they're almost adult by the time it's introduced or at least signed in its final form and made, made, well, legally public, you might say, like official. But in reality, they've been doing it for years and years and years, preparing everybody for the change. The signatories that, that sign these things uh, just go through formalities. It's a done deal. It's the same with the climate change agenda. Remember that the Club of Rome was set up by those that already rule the world to find a way to bring the whole world together with a new paradigm belief system, a new way of operating and living completely different from before. Back with more after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi folks, this is Alan Watt and we're cutting through the matrix. 
it's amazing you, you can fly through stuff in an hour and, and it, you can't really you have to really com- condense things to get the, uh, the meaning out of what you're trying to say because it, I could really go on and on and on about this forever but you see this is an example I'm giving you the whole climate change issue it's an example before the, that uh, the European Union I was giving that out long long before I came on radio over here and people didn't want to hear I, I told them the European uh, economic forums and the councils was to do with total integration and they wouldn't believe me it doesn't matter how much evidence you gave them and the reason is you see they expect someone from the top to come out they want a soft confession from someone at the top yes we did it that's what, how we are as human beings and now of course it's a whole climate deal I've gone through this for years this stuff uh, that's coming out now, and it's only because famous people, you see, you must, as, as Bernice says, promote something using someone who's famous, someone of note, you see, uh, to, to get a new idea across to the people, and because that's how they are, really are. So he used them for propaganda purposes. But so we still expect them to come out and tell us the other side of the story. And when one does, people go crazy. Oh, oh so on, well, everybody else has been saying the same thing for years. You see, if you have to wait for a famous person to come out and tell you something, that's all a scam, the global warming thing. And that this whole uh, deal uh, that was signed, is going to be signed in a few weeks means we're all governments. If you need that, that means you're not thinking at all for yourself. You should be thinking about this long, long ago. The signs are all there. Listen to the babble coming out of your children's mouths. Look at the articles in the news. All the propaganda spiels about how we've got to cut back and everything and cut back on society and bring the population figures down and don't eat meat and yada, yada, yada. You need someone to actually confirm it for you because you don't trust yourselves. Why? Because you were trained not to listen to yourself or think for yourself. It's that simple. And even when people do come out, it doesn't really matter to most folk because they still believe that there are somehow special people who come out of special wombs up there with suits and ties that are taking care of them. That's called socialism. That's contented slavery. Contented for the present, I should say, but that's contented slavery. And there's a lot of slaves who love socialism. As long as they can play and go somewhere left to play with their favorite things and do their favorite things, they love socialism. They want to believe that Big Daddy is always here like Santa Claus is going to take care of any emergency that comes along in their lives. That's the fallacy of perpetual infantilism that's fostered upon the public. All those agencies that you think were put out there to help with welfare and all these other things were to become authorities. And they all are authorities now. And they're telling us what to do. That was their original purpose. What does the wolf do? Dresses up in a sheepskin and comes amongst you until you believe in him. And then he shows his face at the end and it's still okay. Huh. Now there's a, a website out there it's, a, um, it's very good to do with the scams of global warming. And it doesn't matter really that we say this anymore because it's a done deal. If you notice, everything's geared towards this whole move on saving energy, cutbacks and everything, excessive taxes to pay for all these greening projects, and they haven't signed the final deal yet because it's a done deal. That's how they've done it with everything up until now. The machinery is put in place. They've spent 20, 30 years at it. 
and it's been taught in schools and universities, and all the PC people in universities know to parrot the right line, you see, the correct lines, and so do the media. And so the formality of the signing of it is, I don't even care to hear about it, but it happens. It doesn't make any difference. It's already here, you see. But here it says here in this, this website, the International Panel on Climate Change, lead author. Now remember, most of these people think, again, the public think these are all experts. Most of them have nothing to do with science, by the way. There's even a garbage collector from India on their panel. The IPCC lead author says, gives these quotes out of his own book, we will continue to create and tell new stories about climate change and mobilize them in support of our projects. This is a book that put out by one of the guys paid for this. There's lots of them paid full-time to propagandize themselves and the, the agenda in their books. Way more than could ever fight against them because we don't have access to that kind of money or press. And it says, Dr. Richard Lindzen notes some inconvenient quotes from Michael Hume's book, Why We Disagree About Climate Change. Now, Michael Hume is a paid frontman for this whole thing, you see. He's one of the top guys at the IPCC. Here's some of the things he's got in his books. As I say, I'll read this again. The idea of climate change should be seen as an intellectual resource around which our collective and personal identities and projects can form and take shape. We need to ask not what we can do for climate change, but to ask what climate change can do for us. The whole thing is a scam to bring in a new paradigm. Because the, the idea of climate change is so plastic, it can be deployed across many of our human projects and can serve many of our psychological, ethical, and spiritual needs. What religion is this guy here? Because it's so plastic. It's so plastic, it's so diffuse, that the ordinary folk can't even debate it. Because it can be deployed for everything. That's why it was going to be global war, freezing. Freezing was a big thing they hit upon first. And they churned out, guys like this churned out books on the coming ice ages, you know, lots of them. Interchangeable names, but churning out, and then they changed to global warming when, when the ice wasn't cooperating with them. He goes on to say here, we will continue to create and tell new stories about climate change and mobilize them in support of our projects. They're talking about your whole way of life into a new form of sophisticated slavery, folks. It says, these myths transcend the scientific categories of true and false. They're creating myths because they understand, and they've been taught this, that myths are powerful motivational forces for creating human society, obedient, and so on, with all they know coming from the propagandists. These myths transcend the scientific categories, and they're not scientific at all, of true and false. The myths are more important than any fact. You see? And it says here, and alarmists tell us that they have no political agenda and that their only desire is to turn down the Earth's thermostat a bit. Please. And there's a lot of links on this site. And remember, go to cuttingthroughthematrix.com website after the show. I'll put these links up for you to check for yourself. And it's also connected with the one everyone's talking about because you need a famous person to say the same things that many people have been saying for 20, 30 years and that's the way you are I've, I've had people ask me why don't you make more of a big deal about um, the British Lord that's come out 
Well, I don't need a British Lord to come out and tell me what I already know. And what I've observed the whole life for myself. It's like they're, they're telling us now whether they're going to, they're thinking about geoengineering the planet by spraying particles in the sky. I've been telling them they've already been doing it for years, just like they've already put in the whole greening agenda before they signed the final treaty. That's how they always do this. Same technique always. But I put this link up too. And it goes through the errors in Al Gore's movie, 35 Inconvenient Truths. The PDF you can download. And it, and it goes through them point by point by point. And it's by Christopher Monckton of Brenchley. That's the Lord everybody's talking about right now. He puts it very well, very eloquently. It's a shame that people need that because they can't think or observe for themselves. He's saying that which you should know yourselves already. But you thought life was all Michael Jackson and playing and finding uh, aliens and stuff behind it all. It's more exciting that way, isn't it? Then they find that people intergenerationally are taught sciences that you've never heard of on how to govern and change and create new societies. The real purpose of the, the Earth Summit that Maurice Strong, an amazing character, the one of the highest technocrats on the planet, He headed it on behalf of the Rockefellers, his mentor, of course. And his article here on the real climate change catastrophe by Christopher Booker. I'll put these links up, remember. It says, next Thursday marks the first anniversary of one of the most remarkable events ever take place in the House of Commons. For six hours, MPs debated what was far and away the most expensive piece of legislation ever put before Parliament. The climate change bill laid down that by 2050, the British people, that's the whole world, by the way, when they sign it in two or three weeks in Copenhagen, the British people must cut their emissions of carbon dioxide by well over 80%. Now, since we're all carbon-producing units, guess what that means, folks? Huh? Think. Think. Do you want some famous person to tell you? Do you need to? Says, short of some unimaginable technological revolution, such a target could not possibly be achieved without sh shutting down almost the whole of our industrialized economy, changing our way of life out of recognition. That's the exact point of it, to change your way of life out of all recognition, an ordered, controlled society. Even the government admits it will cost £18 billion a year for the next 40 years. Guess who's going to pay all that, folks? You have nothing left in your paychecks because you will be serving the world state. Wage slaves. Give it all back to them, you're a slave. And it says all that cash would be, it says, be twice the value of its supposed benefits. It's all nonsense because it's got another purpose, of course. Yet astonishingly, although dozens of members of parliament queued up to speak in favour of the bill, only two dared question the need for it. And it passed by 463 votes to just three. Everybody up there is bought and paid for in every country. And they're vetted for it. It's been with that for a long, long, long time. Hmm. There's one who voted against it was Peter Lilly, who just before the vote was taken, drew the Speaker's attention to the fact that outside parts of Westminster, snow was falling, the first October snow recorded in London for 74 years. And he's down on global warming. Who says God hasn't got a sense of humor? But he goes through in this article what I've been saying and many others have been saying for years and years and years. 
If you're looking for reality, you better start thinking. And it means literally discarding everything that's been drummed into you. And re-questioning the whys and the wherefores for everything that you believe in. Most cannot do that. They never will. They're too far gone. There is such a thing as perfect indoctrination. Or mind control is perfect. The last person to know what's happened is the subject themselves. He's an article that fits in too, again, with all the contrary evidence. Uh, it's What's Up With That website. It says, UK Met Office backpedals on Arctic ice. Unlikely that the Arctic will experience ice-free summers by 2020. Because that's what they're predicting, when they were drumming up all the support for it and so on and getting all the, the, the cash laid out to these IPCC groups and all the rest and all the greenies. Oh, we're all going to die. We're all going to die. Now they're backpedaling. See, they don't need it any, anymore. You see, it's like, he's an example. George Bush Jr., uh, during the inquiry over the, the war in Iraq, he said on television, and people can check it out for themselves, don't write to me for everything I say and say, can you find it for me? Do it yourself. I don't need a high-speed internet. I get ExploreNet constantly cutting me back. The great satellite company owned by Hughes Corporation, the military-industrial complex. It's not by accident they keep doing this. But you see, what they do with Bush, Bush said in that inquiry, he says, um, oh, I never said that Saddam had anything to do with uh, the Twin Towers attack. And then it flashed back uh, after the interview at the television station with quote after quote after quote from saying, yes, Saddam's behind us too, you know, as they changed their sights from Afghanistan to Iraq. Then he says, well, I just said, I just thought the world was better off without Saddam. He was a bad fellow. Like a whim? <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think so. So, you see, once the excuse is used and accepted by the public, at least there's no great objection to it, that they don't care once they've achieved their goal. They don't care how many exposures come out over Iran, the reasons for it, the fallacy of Al-Qaeda that, that wasn't really in existence at that time except as a spy network for the CIA, set up by the CIA and special forces to fight the Russians. And they don't care uh, that um, it was a supposed whim on Bush's part, which it wasn't at all. It was a new American century policy with a list of countries to invade and, and finish off to standardize the world. They don't care when the truth is made up. Once they've achieved their goals, they can, they, can, they, can, they can laugh in your face and give you the finger. They often do. Sometimes there's two fingers. It's as they horn you, as they say. This, this happens over and over again. And as I say, it doesn't matter when James Goldsmith comes out and tries to get Britain back out. Again, a famous person before people follow. Get them back out of the European Union. He says you lose all sovereignty, way of life, everything. Be dictated to by a new Soviet doesn't matter when they do that. It's too late. The machine is already done. Done. Done deal. Nothing will stop these guys. Nothing. They only backtrack because of public opinion. They know where the public's opinions are. They're still trying to find out the real secrets behind Michael Jackson. And American Idol and all the rest of the stuff they're into. You only find that the, the group that's behind this and has pushed liberalism are the most intolerant of all when they're in power because they ban all free speech on any topic except politically correct topics that they have given you. It's beautiful. It's double-think, isn't it? It's called liberal. And
and they champion every group's uh, rights. So they've got, they've got all this massive army all going in the same direction and haven't really a clue that they're actually going in a different direction with a different ending where they too will all be slaves. That's the beauty of using nations, using them, using and creating causes and always being champions of the people until they're in power and boy does the, does the, the velvet glove come off the iron fist. And they pass laws so you can't speak about anything anymore. Obama just passed the hate laws. In a country that was the first in the world to say free speech is enshrined in the Constitution, in the Bill of Rights. Is it? Not anymore? Oh. But, as I say back to you, what's up with that? We do say that the first ice-free summer expected to occur between 2060 and 2080. By then, there will be nobody that remembers this forecast. See how they do it? Oh, it's way off in the future. It says, yeah, on the same day, bumbling Arctic explorer Penn Haddo says in a UK Telegraph interview, Penn Haddo is a paid IPPC, IPCC uh, propagandist. To all intents and purposes, the Arctic will be ice-free in a decade. Well, and yet... Here's the official report above his head contradicting him. It's unlikely we'll experience ice free summers by 2020. <laughs> that good lie can't be stopped that fast, can it? Back with more after this break. through the matrix. Just to show you how the cons work, and everything is a con when it comes to politics and guiding the public opinion and creating new paradigms for ways of living and all the lies under the sun that you could possibly dream up are used. Very important that everyone's on board. That's why they have foundations, big foundations with multi-multi billions of dollars that finance all of this kind of stuff. They're tax-free, by the way. Rockefeller himself, I've never paid taxes. You all know that, yes, these foundations fund all the NGOs and fund politicians into office and all the rest of it, all their boys. And they guide the agendas. The parallel government of foundations guides the agenda. And they implement everything in place before any final agreements are ever signed. The signatory is for the public, or the signing is for the public, and to make it more official to the public. Like, it's all, oh, well, there's nothing we can do now. Well, guess what you can do with... with with BS. You can tear it all up and toss it in the bin. That's what you can do with it. Or recycle it if you're a greenie. That's what you can do with all that stuff because we can't go along with this. It's utter slavery. As I say, they are talking about this, this, this signing coming up in a few weeks in December. And yet here's the, here's the European, the main European newspaper, the official propaganda arm for the Union. And it says, um, it's the EU Observer, 23rd of the 10th. The EU and the US will set up a joint energy council at ministerial and commissioner level to streamline policy initiatives relating to green technologies, research, and energy security. Energy security, folks, on both sides of the Atlantic, a US official told the website. Energy is an important foreign uh, policy and priority for the US, and very important, blah, 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 blah. They give you the propaganda spiel. But they, they go on to see the real reason behind it, apart from creating a new system across the board, of the world, right? This is before they're signing the, the main one that you think is the main one for the world. 
they've already got this set up. And by the way, they've all been well picked, and they're already working in commissions and councils. They've always done it this way. They want to, they want to share the taxations of the European people and the U.S. and North America. Be more bang for the buck, you might say. Of course, no CO2 comes off that bang. Just poverty, utter poverty. But this is their excuse for doing it. It's already going ahead. Everything's going ahead. They've been brainwashing the children for how many years now? into the eco-fascist green agenda. And it's amazing, your parents out there too that have listened to their children coming home and, and literally bitching at their parents. They're taught to bitch at their, nag them. They use the children to nag their parents about smoking. They were getting taught that in school. Now they nag them about, don't fill up the recycling bin too much. Make sure the top's on it, blah, blah, blah. You're, they're scared. People are scared of their children. Who gave them permission to go ahead? Well, everybody who kept silent and just accepted the nagging gave permission. Silence is consent. Silence is consent. How you deploy your free time and to where you aim it is your choice. And utter trivia and nonsense and feel-good stuff and fantasy. Or you take part in what's happening in your life, to you and others to come and those around you. If you're so egocentric, you think you'll somehow come through it unscathed, well, guess what? You're already going through it, and your purse is getting lighter. And the big bankers have robbed you of trillions, and will continue to do so as they pay. So you're using all that cash to pay for their big world plan. Well, from Hamish, myself, from Ontario, Canada, I've rammed through a lot an hour, not long enough, though. It's good night. I mean, your God or your gods go with you.